Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 292 of the Keep Moving Forward podcast with me, your host, Anthony DiDomenico, coming to you each week, anchor.fm slash KMF podcast. Podcast is also available on iTunes, and while you're there, please do not forget to five-star rate and review. That's right, five-star rate and review. I love reading them and sharing them and bringing about the best podcast listeners out there. That is you guys. Also, if you like the video part of the podcast, you enjoy watching it, seeing my face mess up uh, as I mispronounce something or mess up the intro like I always do, check it out at Spotify. They have a five-star rate and review there, too. Definitely go there and check that out. Patreon.com slash KMF podcast for all the bonus episodes. Check it out. Patreon.com slash KMF podcast. BuiltBar.com. Use code Podcast. Save 10% on your order. They're releasing awesome new flavors. I think the, the s'mores chunk is still available. So go to BuiltBar.com. Use code Podcast to save 10% off your order. The best nitro brew out there. Sail away coffee. Use code WWBro10 at sailawaycoffee.com to save 10% off your order. Great new flavors. Um, they usually come out for seasonal, so I don't know if they have a fall one, but they definitely have uh, one coming up for the winter, the peppermint one, uh, the Valentine's Day one will be the cherry, but, I mean, who can go wrong with the caramel nitro brew this time of year? That's a flavor of fall. Sailawaycoffee.com. Use code WWBro10. My good friend John Ziegler, his comedy special is available on YouTube. Check it out. John Ziegler Comedy on Instagram. Give him a follow. Click the link in the bio. Go to YouTube. John Ziegler, Getting My Affairs in Order. Give it a watch. Let him know what you think. Give him some feedback. My other good friend, Lori Palminteri. Very excited for Lori. She'll be filming her half-hour special, her album, September 9th at Kevin Smith's Smod Castle in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. Go to smodcastlecinemas.com and give Lori a follow on Instagram over at Go See Lori. Well, thank you guys for joining me this week. A little something different. I pre-recorded the episode um, because I really wanted this guest on, and, and I found the date that was um, perfect for her, and that worked for me as well. So this one uh, I did with Sam better known on Instagram as Sunshine Foodie Wellness. Sam is a licensed therapist and promotes mental health, mental health awareness. And we had a great conversation about that, about our journeys, our wellness journeys, and everything else in between. So check this episode out. Let me know what you think at the end. Enjoy. Like I was trying, I was trying to find you the other day to, to be like, hey, and I was nervous that you blocked me. I was like, oh, oh my God. God. Sam no. changed your Instagram handle. Never. Oh I, didn't see, I didn't see the post because some people like it's weird. Like I'll see some things in an algorithm. Yep. Same. And then I and then like 
I won't see that person. I'm like, did they un- delete me or something? So then I go over and I'm like, oh no, they're they're here still, and everybody yeah. follows each other. Yeah. So I went back to, I went to like the keyword search in oh. the messages, and I wrote podcast. And oh, I went okay. to like every single one, and then I saw that you changed it. Um, oh man. And I was wow. like, there it is. I made you work for it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sunshine <laughs> Footy Wellness is now the new Instagram handle for that's, Sam. That's it. Yeah. For- how long did you wrestle with changing that? Um, a couple months. Okay. Yeah. Once I started, um, like just putting feelers out there with mental health content, I was like, this isn't really fitting the bill anymore of the sunshine foodie. I'm going in another direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to toy with the idea that maybe I should rebrand altogether. It's scary, right? Changing an Instagram handle. It is. I mean, at least it's not like a drastic change. Like it's still, and people are like, it's not the sunshine foodie. I'm like, no, I dropped the, the, (laughs) that that was a big, that was a big move. But, um, it was easier because it felt like so much more authentic to the content I was putting out. So I tried, I wrestled so many times wanting to change my Instagram handle, Hmm. but this has been the only one I've ever had. Like this is my Instagram from when I first got Instagram. Yeah. And I didn't know that people had different Instagrams for wellness and stuff like that. So I just started sharing my stuff and then it, and then like every time I went to go change, it didn't feel right. So right. like you felt it felt right to change it. Feel right. And comic Anthony D, that's just I'm a comedian. That's who you are. Me. That's really basically it. And uh I you know, I remember because no, I changed the podcast name we were talking about. That. Well, that's what I was gonna ask. Like, how did that feel? I had like anxiety for a year. Like I, <laughs> I cried at night. Like I'm like I can't. No one's gonna listen anymore. It's not the it's and, loss of identity. Yeah, and I did get message. I do get messages sometimes. Not a lot, but once in a while, like I miss the WW Bro podcast. Like it's still there. Still there. The same podcast. It's the same podcast. It's a different yeah. name. And like one guy was like, he got into it with me. Like he started like you know bashing me. He was like, oh, and you've changed, and this has changed. And I'm like. Yeah, I'm uh I actually I'm going through some things and I'm gaining weight and like yeah, I'm not maybe happy all the time. Like it's okay, but that's this podcast has always been that. Like just coming out here and sometimes I shut the microphone I'm like what did I just say? Yep. You know, I'm but sure. it's it's good to get it out, I feel, right? Mm-hmm. You got to be real. I feel like that's what people are attracted to when it comes to content. They want to see real and raw. They don't want to see curated and you know, polished. That's not me. No, I'm like, I'm like me either. and you are, you are a therapist, correct? Yeah. yeah. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in New York. Okay. So, and you, and I, that to me would be refreshing, you know, mm-hmm. cause I've tried therapy a number of times mm-hmm. and one, I never feel like they believe me when I'm telling them things and that oh. could be my own insecurities, but whatever. Um, and I always, I felt very, I, I mean, again, this is probably a lot what I'm projecting. I feel mm-hmm. judged. Um, I'm just feeling looked down upon and I felt like it was because, and, and maybe you should be professional. I don't know, but like, I feel like I want like a conversation. Let's get it out there. Let's let it yeah. in, have a real conversation. I never felt I had that. That's tough. So that's something I've been like trying to actually showcase more on my page, which I was so nervous to put it out there, but I was like, I'm going to show what it would be like to be in therapy with me. Right. So I have this video where I'm making all these different facial expressions mm-hmm. Um, because, because I personally have had therapy experiences where the person just sat there blank face and I'd be trying to crack jokes or trying to connect. 
And facial expression is a huge part of connection. And there's always a time and place to do it. But like, I think it's so much more authentic and people feel so much safer when they know that the person that they're like bearing their souls to is a human being. 100%. I mean, and that's, I think that's why the podcast resonates with people that, you know, because it is, I'm just, I've cried on this podcast. I've laughed. I've told jokes. I've been angry. I've been upset. I've, I've every kind of emotion you can have. I've had it in front of this camera. Um, and I open up more to this podcast than I do to people in real life, which wow. is, it's scary. Cause like, they're strangers and I don't know these people, but again, that's kind of like how, you know, as being a comedian, that's the same thing. Like I can't go up to a person and have like a regular conversation in real life, but I can get on a stage and I can tell them the most intimate details and make a joke about it. It's so interesting. For some reason, I think it feels less vulnerable when you have a platform versus when you're one-on-one -on -one or trying to like make a connection. Yeah. I always feel like I'm doing the robot when I'm talking to somebody. That's how awkward I feel. Mm. Um, so it's like the constant, the constant uh, struggle. Which is so interesting because you don't come off that way at all. No, because there's a microphone, there's a computer screen in front of me. I'm, this is like my wall, but like it's in real life. Yeah. In real life, like when I walk into a room, I kind of like, I got to like, assess the situation and I don't just go up to people. And, um, so that's, that's, I try to work on that. Like, you know, Hey, like I try to be more outgoing, but once I get comfortable and once people know me, then it's a different story. Then, you know, yeah. then it's, um, then I'll open up more and that, that other side will come out. Uh, you know, the performer almost, you know, that side will come out, but yeah, no, I'm very, very shy and socially awkward. Interesting. Well, this is also like your, your territory, I guess. So maybe you feel, I, yeah, this is, you know, I'm very comfortable doing this. I've been doing radio for almost 20 years. Okay. Um, some aspect of it, actually regular radio, then internet radio, then podcasting, uh, comedy I've been doing like 13 years. So wow. that, that, uh, that realm, I feel very, very comfortable in. That's cool. This is my first podcast ever. So is it really, it is, you seem so natural. Oh, thank you. Oh my God. I'm nervous, but I'm you're also a dead ringer for my ww leader elise i don't know if you know elise in wanto you're like i'm just looking it's kind of like you're like a long lost relative or something yeah. I, can't, I can't wait for her to see this because you're a doppelganger. Yeah. Yeah. definitely a doppelganger oh, um, my, my twin <laughs> and i just had uh the, my workshop tonight um i go to wanto at 5 30 on wednesdays and um I, that for me i don't know uh, that that thing is very good for my 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 well-being and my my mental capacities leaving that going into a week as far as getting on a journey do you counsel like i don't know what like, your specialty is is it is it wellness and weight loss or do you just do everything so my background is um in adult mental health okay i work in a uh, partial hospitalization program on long island that's geared toward like pretty acute pretty severe mental health issues but what you'll find under all of the acute mental health issues are very much like the same human issues and the same struggles that also goes hand in hand with wellness, right? So not feeling good enough, um, you know, wanting to numb certain feelings, um, carrying a lot of shame, um, you know, avoiding, procrastinating, anxiety, depression, like addiction, it, you kind of find that it all goes hand in hand. Yeah. So I would say, you know, as far as my specialty, it's mental health. 
That's you know that's awesome because it is something, especially for men. I feel they they don't tackle the subject enough, and they let it go. And you know, uh, I just think too much too much bad's happening from it. And it is true. Like you know, I grew up not like I'm not I'm 44, but I grew up as a kid in the 80s, and I was a teenager in the 90s, and it was a stigma. You know, for guys to have anxiety or to have, you know, you had to be a tough guy. You know, it's just, it was still the, the tough guy mentality. And, you know, I never, you know, like we don't, even now, like me, my dad, and my brother, we don't really talk about feelings. We talk about the Yankees. We talk about the Giants. We talk about, like, you know, sports. And my mother, when she took a class uh, at Hofstra, she took a psychology class or something and she started analyzing us. And she's like, that's because you're men. And you just, this is how you talk about your feelings through sports mm-hmm. and everything. And she was right. Because that's, that's how, and even now, like, you know, usually me and my dad text each other. It's either a funny meme to start off with and it's, it's, uh, or something that's going on in the sports world, but that's how we communicate. Absolutely. Honestly, two things come to mind when you're talking about that. Um, emotions and talking about emotions. It's like another language. So there's so many people in the world, especially men that did not grow up learning that language. In fact, most humans can only identify five emotions when there are like literally hundreds. Okay. So most people can only identify happy, sad, actually four, happy, sad, mad, scared. Right. And there's such a wider range of emotions, but if you didn't grow up talking about it, like how would you know? And then it just feels foreign. And the other thing is, I have to say the men that I work with in my, um, in my private practice, I find that the work is so, um, so meaningful because these men are having a space to say and explore things that they have never said out loud. There is that stigma. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. You know, and I've, that's another thing I've used this platform for too, is it gets stuff out there that, you know, has been going through my head and, you know, I, I, I mentioned something last week um, about a wrestler who passed away, Bray Wyatt. I'm a big wrestling fan. And one of the things that triggers my anxiety and I, I didn't want it to sound like, you know, and I, I, that, you know, it should be me, but like, why not me when something like that happens? Like, you know, you, that's what I, that's, that's what triggers my anxiety. Like, you know, why doesn't those things happen to me? And I should be happy that doesn't happen. You know, it's just, that's the, the the thought process that goes through my head. And I never said that out loud before, you know, mm-hmm. to anybody or anything. And it was, it threw me for a loop a little bit. Like I, I lost my, you know, I tried to keep like a straight face here, but in my head I was like, okay, why did I, I just said that? Like, but it's good to get those things out. Right. It is. And it's, it's normal. Like so many of the things that people are afraid to say out loud are so normal, but we wouldn't know that unless we said it out loud. So like, I am obsessed. Like my biggest role model in the field is Brene Brown, which is not unique to me. Like, you know, everyone in the social work field bows to Brene Brown, but she talks a lot about like shame and vulnerability. And she says like, if you put shame in a Petri dish and you douse it with empathy, it can't survive. Meaning if you say something out loud that you're ashamed of and someone else is like, Hey, that's okay. Or Hey, me too. All of a sudden that shame goes away. Yeah. And that's the beauty of therapy. It's a, it should be a safe, non-judgmental space for you to say things and for someone to normalize it for you and process it with you. 
And I think now we live in a time where it's even more accessible. I mean, you could do uh, phone uh, chats, you could do, you know, Zoom, or you know, it's as you can. I think you can get somebody now any really where you is. You don't have to leave your house, and you can totally. be talking to somebody. Which is this technology? This this have put to a good use, and not just you know, not just silly Zoom calls or drinking on Zoom with your friends, but actually. Yeah. Hundred percent. And now I'm I'm finding. I don't know if it's just because I'm in the space, but I'm finding it's almost weird if you don't go to therapy now. It's like, yeah. oh, what are you perfect? Right? Like, like <laughs> you know. I feel like it's it's become such a more normalized thing to say in conversation with friends. Like, oh yeah, my therapist said this. Or oh, it totally is. And I love that. Like, it's it's great because it was a stigmatism. But trust me, when I was a kid. If a kid went to therapy, he was very, or her, him or her were very ashamed of it. And they, you know, it was a secret. It was like, don't tell anybody, but I go, you know, go to therapist. My, my parents go to therapy. You know, it was, it was, it was more of a, you know, it was almost like a, a joke in a sitcom or something like that. Like, you know, like, oh, I got to tell my therapist about this. Right. And now you talk to people like, oh, I had a great, you know, they talk about it all the time and open it. That's how it should be. It's like going to the, the it's like going to get your teeth checked or your, anything else. It's, it's a doctor. It's, there's no, there's no reason not to, like, you don't have to have problems. You don't have to, there's nothing wrong with you. If you're going to therapy, it's a a space where it's not your friend that's going to tell you what you want to hear, or it's not someone that, you know, doesn't have enough time to really process it with you. Like we all need somebody to listen. Mm -hmm. And it's funny you mentioned, well, you're a big Sopranos fan, right? Yes. big Okay. So from my understanding, really, The Sopranos is what like normalized talk therapy. Yeah, I mean, because uh, you know it started with a big mobster, like the picture you think a big tough guy would be sitting there talking his feelings, and there was yeah. times when he cried and everything else, and things got to him, and he, he let his feelings out. And part of the reason he had anxiety, you know, it was hereditary. Mm-hmm. His father had the same thing, and you know he wasn't dealing with his issues and he would have anxiety attacks and he would pass out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that was really refreshing for a lot of people to see. And it did start, I think, um, breaking that stigma around therapy. Absolutely. And I'm just happy that, as like I said, it's more out there now. Um, I've been preaching about it on here more since I've dealt with my anxiety and, um, you know, like I said, I should, I always say on here, I should talk to somebody. I, I, you know, I'm thick headed and I'm old and I, I just don't do things. And, you know, but again, like you're saying, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. Like I'm, I advocate it, but I don't do, I'm always a do what you say kind of guy. You know? Well, I mean, not for nothing. If your experience has been that you felt judged or that you mm-hmm. haven't really felt safe to open up, it, it's not really going to be something that you're probably going to want to run back to. Yeah. And it's, it's a process finding the right therapist. It's literally like, you know, it's not one size fits all. You do have to find the right fit and not all therapists are created equally. Everyone has their own styles. And I think it's like a blessing and a curse of our field, because if you have one bad experience, then people are like, no, therapy doesn't work for me or no, I hate therapy, but really it might be that you haven't found the right one. Yeah. You got to find the right one. Like, you know, you, you, you find the right car you like, or you find like anything, exactly. else, you know, you, but the kind of coffee you drink, you know, it's exactly took me a long time to, to find out certain things, you know? Okay. And that's, and that, it's, it's okay. You know, if, like I said, if it's not for one person, it's for the other. And 
Right. And that's, I think, the beauty of your field, too. There is so many options because if it wasn't, then it'd be even less people seeking that out. I agree. And I think people also don't know that <clears throat> in an initial therapy session, I don't think most people know that they can like ask the therapist questions. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Absolutely. I would. First of all, I encourage it. I always have the conversation with my clients of like, if they've been in therapy before, what has been helpful for them? Or they'll ask me like, what's, what's your therapy style or what are your specialties or you know, what, what approaches do you use? And I welcome that question because I want us to be the right fit too. It's a therapeutic relationship. It goes both ways. It can't just be, you know, the, the therapist because we are, we're equals, right? Yeah. I don't know more than you. I'm just here to help you to get to know yourself better. Okay. So, yeah, absolutely. Like you can be having a dialogue with your therapist about what your expectations are, what works for you, what doesn't. Some people want tough love. Some people want warm and fuzzy. Some people want homework. Some people want, so it's it's just like any relationship, you have to communicate your needs in order for it to work. Okay, yes, yeah, see, I know. Now I'm learning more as we're doing this. And it's, Good. That's, yeah, that's what it's about. I hope people are picking up on that as well, that, you know, and it's not just cut and dry. It's not Sigmund Freud sitting there with your feet up on the couch. No. You know, laying down. One one therapist I had, she had dogs. She had a dog there that bothered me. And uh, so I was like, <laughs> and she didn't like ask you if it was okay. I just no. You pull it. You show up, and you walk into her office, and the dog's there. And the dog, like you know, just walks around, and like here I am, like you know, blabbing on and crying about something. And then there's the dog is like sniffing my feet, and I'm like, okay, get this dog has to get away now. So I, I it weirded me out. It creeped me out a little bit. To get yeah, I I can't imagine doing something like that without first like running it by. I, mean, I, I didn't know. I just, I, when I walked in the door, I was like, oh, okay, this is how it's going to be. See, I, I will say I'm very disheartened because I hear people love to tell me their horror stories of therapy. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, what is going on out there? Some people tell me that they have never been asked about their childhood in therapy. No, that's one thing I've always been asked about my childhood. And, you know, that's the, and that's the key too. Like I don't have, I didn't have a bad childhood. Like I, I had a I had an awesome childhood. Like it was amazing. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was like a childhood, like somebody on TV. It was like, you know, my parents were awesome, uh, very loving and attending, gave us everything we wanted. We were spoiled, like, you know, um, came to every baseball game and all that stuff. And I, that's why I really feel like, you know, anxiety and people in depression, it really is your chemical makeup. It's, and I go, it is sometimes how I'm not going to say I, I'm not professional, but yes, it is some, how you're raised, but a lot of, you know, some people like me, it's my chemical makeup and it's just how I'm, I tend to think and how I tend to process things. And I had nothing to do with like, you know, a bad childhood. Like I never had like, you know, I, I, I can't like, remember we had a great, I, I look back, it was great memories. I, it was phenomenal. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky. I, I know people, a lot of people don't have that. And, right. you know, I do realize how lucky I am. And that's, and you know, in the beginning, when this stuff started to happen, it made me feel guilty and not want to say anything because I felt like I have no right to feel this way. I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people feel that way. Like, oh, it's not bad enough or I have no yeah. reason to be feeling what I'm feeling. But what I tell everyone is whether we like it or not, everything is caused. Mm -hmm. Everything is caused, right? It whether it's by genetics, whether it's by trauma, whether it's by a combination, which it usually is, just saying. Um, 
everything is caused. No one is choosing to be depressed. No one is choosing to be anxious. And if you could choose not to feel those things, of course you would. Oh yeah. A second. I'd love it if I didn't have anxiety anymore. That'd be awesome. Right? It's not a choice. You're not having fun. No, it's not fun. It's not fun. Right? Yeah, friend Tracy Carnaza, who I call every time I'm having a panic attack, how fun it is. Mm, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, no one is doing this by choice. No one is enjoying it. No. Um, and if people had the tools to change it, then they would. So that's why they go to therapy. Absolutely. Now, what got you first started on this whole uh, wellness kick? Like, this is what I want to do. I want to help people. Um, is it something you always, is it like a, a dream of yours since like you were a child or something new that you came into? So I'll tell you this. Both of my parents are social workers. Okay. And so I want to say it was in my blood, but my whole childhood, my whole life, I was like, I'm not going to do the same thing as my parents. Even though people would tell me all the time, you'd make a great therapist. You're so good at giving advice. And I knew it came very naturally and you can't really teach empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to have it. Um, And it was always something that I had, Um, but I wanted to make my own mark. I'm an only child. So I was like, I'm not just going to follow in the footsteps. Um, And I originally went to school for public policy thinking I'm going to change the world on, on a a more macro level. And um, I had a pretty rough freshman year of college where I just felt really lost. um, Didn't feel nothing felt right. The college I was at didn't feel right. The major I was in didn't feel right. And when it came down to it, Um, I decided I was going to transfer out with a friend who suggested that we go to Stony Brook. Okay. And my mom was like, well, you know, there is a social work program at Stony Brook with a master's program. And I was like, you know what? I guess I just like can't fight fate. And I knew that that was authentic. Um, So I went for it and immediately was like, this is what I was meant to do. Okay. Um, so that's like the, the, that answer. I also have struggled myself with anxiety, with body image issues, with eating issues. Um, and that's where I started the sunshine foodie because I wanted to document like my health journey. And it went through a lot of iterations of me trying to figure out, am I, am I going vegan? Am I trying to lose weight? Am I, Am I body positive? Now I'm on Weight Watchers. Like I was kind of all, all over the place. But this is this is life, right? We go through yeah. the journey for a reason. You know, you've been on the journey. Um, so yeah, and I've always just been passionate about food, about people, about mental health. So it all just came together. Yeah, I mean, definitely that like you talk about that journey. I mean, I've I've been on WW at some form. Uh, yeah. on and off i did it as a child even you know mm-hmm. i went with my with my mom and my uncle joe at one point and then i came to it again in my early 20s i've always gone you know it's been a lifelong back and forth and in between there's i did atkins which is kind of like the old school keto which oh, yeah. was even less carbs and um i tried uh stacker twos uh which is absolutely horrible for what you what is that so Stacker 2s and um, there's another one too. Stacker 2, I forget the other name, um, uh, Trim Spa. So Stacker, mm-hmm. Stacker 2 and Trim Spa, they were like, they they marketed like, take these pills, you lose weight. Oh, 
and like it gives you energy to work out again because it was getting your heart going and it was like it's making caffeine, right? yeah, yeah so like you you're like well i remember my friend nick was doing them and we had a block party one year and it was like a it was like 60 something in july it was like a cold we were all like we were actually in hoodies some of us oh my god he was dripping sweat because he was taking these trim spas or which whatever he was on at the time and he goes my brother goes mike isn't it like warm and he's like nick we're in hoodies it's freezing oh, out in july he goes he goes whatever you're doing stop and he's like don't tell him my business he's like all right i was i took him and yeah you lost some weight but like you didn't feel you felt like jittery all the time and stuff totally. um but they yeah like anna nicole smith was a spokesperson for it this guy okay. cabby from howard stern he dropped a bunch of weight and was a spokesman for it I did that um you know calorie counting uh mm-hmm. Every kind of diet you can think of, I, I've tried. Um, I went for weight loss surgery consultation. You know, I, I thought about everything. And I keep coming back to WW. Um, it's, I'm most comfortable with it. I like the tracking system. I, it keeps me accountable. And I love the whole community, the workshops, and everything like that. That's what brings me back to it. And the people I've met mm-hmm. along the way, which is phenomenal. I agree. Um, I throughout my health journey um at first it was so geared toward weight loss because that Mm -hmm. was just drilled into my head my whole childhood and i never had a healthy relationship with food and then it turned into trying to have a healthier relationship with food and honestly i know ww is still technically a diet but i do feel that their plan helped me heal my relationship with food in a lot of ways and that's where my account really went. And again, loved the community. That's how I found you. Oh, right? yeah. like there's the WW community was so supportive, so inspiring. Um, and it, I, it really, uh, it changed my life in a lot of ways. So. Absolutely. Same for me. And you know, I, what I like about WW, they are tackling the the mental side of it. And, you know, it's not just, you know, I, my grandmother, talked about it when she did it back in the day it was you know it was a strict diet you couldn't even drink milk they get powdered milk it was like you know you know you look at all the variations of the years and i think more now they're focusing on you know the the overall wellness aspect of it which is awesome because one really has something to do with the other so i know for me it does when i when up here is going crazy the first thing i want to do is eat and put that fire out with food yep um truly same uh, my mental health is so linked to my eating behaviors um and l- listen don't get me wrong i am i am not healed in that regard right like i'm still a work in progress but again you can't you can't lose weight sustainably you can't keep weight off without addressing mm-hmm. the behavioral component which is usually driven by our mental health so yeah, you can you can learn restrictive behaviors, you can learn calorie counting, but if you're not addressing what's driving you to engage in the behavior in the first place, you're gonna spin the wheel over and over and over. Yeah, I've I've done that. I've had a lot of success um, in the past and just recently, and again, not addressing some things. And I thought I had it under control this last time. I thought I really did. My I thought my mindset was better and in a good place and then i had um a big emotional hit and it showed me that i was not where i thought i was and threw me for a real real loop 
Right. Or if you're looking like it's a relapse, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a part of recovery, right? It doesn't take away from all of the progress you had made. It's just the next step in the journey. And I see you killing it. Like I see you're, you're back on your game. I do what I can, you know, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's been 20 straight days of tracking, which, um, you know, I, I, I started over again. I just erased all the past history because I was dwelling on the past. Yeah. I wasn't celebrating. I was dwelling on it. I would go on Facebook every morning and see the old pictures and then look at where I was. And I was like, I have to lose all that weight today. And it's not going to happen. Um, and I kept on going back and it was, it was a big anchor uh, on, you know, weighing me down that I'm like, you know what? I haven't done this in a long time. It's been a few years since I was actually doing this successfully. Yeah. I'm just going to delete it and start over again. I know where I was. I know what the real, you know, and it's helped. It's been like a fresh start. Um, I feel good about it. I feel, you know, excited right. again. Like, you know, it's like a whole, whole new, whole new game. And um, that's great. Yeah, and it's been all good so far. It's all compare and despair if you mm-hmm. do it the other way, right? You want to compare yourself to where where you were at yesterday, not yeah. where you were at a couple of years ago. Yeah, and it's it's insane because like I look at those pictures and I and I, and I get, then I get, you get mad at yourself. Then I'm like, and then I would spend the day mad at myself, like yep. you know all this, and I, I can't do that anymore. I can't beat myself up um, because it's it's hard enough as it is to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't need to add to that. And doesn't it feel so much better when you actually like are intentional about celebrating your successes now? Yeah. And like helping yourself up. Yeah, I'm excited. Like I got my 20 pound charm tonight at my workshop. Amazing. And I'm excited. I have my I keep this with me, my keychain that has all the, you know, stuff on it. Um, I gotta put my 20 pound on there. But you know, at first it was, and this is kind of very arrogant and full of myself. Um and I'm going to say it because, you know, whatever it was a thought I had at the time. And I was, you know, I guess pompous and feeling myself. I was down over 200 pounds at one point and they didn't give out charms for, they gave out a five pound charm. The next one you got was 25 pounds. Hmm. And the next one after that was 50 and 75 it was every 25 pounds. They give one out now for every five pound increment almost. And I, from like, and I was like, I was upset about that at first because I'm like, no, I got those charms. Like I took it like, but then I realized some people have to lose 10 pounds and that's what they have to lose. That's fine. That's okay. And you know what? Even if you have a lot to lose, celebrate that 10 pounds you're down in this. And so that's where I kind of like, you know, I kind of felt I was kind of feeling myself a little bit, got a little, got a little big in the head. And, and we'll you now. I got, yeah, I got struck down and then here I am now loving it about these yeah. five pound arms. Yeah, absolutely loving it. That's really cool. It really sounds like you've like reframed your thought process around this whole thing. Yeah, it's not so much competition. Um, I and I, I, I'm the biggest, I root for so many people. Like I, yeah. I love to see people succeed in this because yeah. it's, you're, you're actually cheering somebody to change and improve their life. And it's, it's a good thing. Um, I know people who aren't like that and love to tear people down and, you know, only follow you because they want to see you lose. Like the yeah. day I announced I came back to WW and I was excited about it, I lost followers. Yeah. How does that happen? Why does that happen? Um, Well, we are just all projecting onto other people. And when we realize that nothing is personal, it helps to uh, alleviate a lot of those hard feelings. Yeah. But 
no one's immune to them. When I announced that I was, you know, changing my handle and, and starting my private practice, there were people in my personal life that didn't support me. There were followers that I lost. And it's interesting because I had so much more support than the opposite. But of course, we as humans, we could get 50 you know, positive comments and we dwell on the one negative. Yeah, you, you're talking to a comedian who will oh. be in front of a room of 300 people and have a phenomenal set. But I'm looking at that one guy who's deadpanning me. Okay. And I'm like, what is your problem? Why aren't you cracking a smile? And, you know, it's my brother is usually that guy for the other. So whenever I, I used to do these birthday shows or whatever, my brother would come, he'd sit in the front and he would just like stare at the comedians, not even crack a smile. And they'll come back. Your brother's freaking me out, man. He's not even smiling. Like, just let him be. He's fine. He's just, that's, he's, believe me, he's, he's that's how he is. His demeanor. Oh my God. And I, but I know that as a comedian, I would focus on that and I would, you know, it would, it would bother me. And it's the same thing too. Like now I don't care. I mean, I lost so many followers, you know, when I stopped really doing WW and I started to put more of my regular life out there, like, you know, mm -hmm. cigars I like and this and that, you know, and that's who I, this, that's who I am. And that I'm not going to hide who I am anymore. Like I did for a while because I, again, I was trying to be an ambassador, but like, no, this is who I am. And if you don't like it, there is an unfollow button and you don't have to follow because I'm, I'm, I'm here for myself and nobody, that's it. Nobody else. Totally. And that's, I feel like that's such a more freeing way to live. Absolutely. And also what I've realized, um, people respect vulnerability. Like mm -hmm. we talked about when we first started, like people don't like the polished curated look. They want the real Yeah. because that's how you find your people. Right. If you want to be polished and you want to please the masses, that's what you're going to get more surface level connection. But things like being a stand up comedian, I can't think of many more vulnerable, like putting yourself out there, things that a person could do. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, nobody yeah. says that, but I, I, it's weird because I don't see it that way because really? it's just yeah, because you know what it was? It was a bucket list thing for me. OK. Um. And I went through my, my, as since I was eight years old, I wanted to be on stage telling a joke, but I was always scared to do it. And then I went through like my twenties, always like wishing I did it. And my mom passed away uh, in, in um, 2008. And I started like thinking more like life is really short. You know, she was 52 years old. I'm like, that's, that's really short. It's really, you know, you think about it, even if we live to 80, 90, that's not in the grand scheme of things. A lot of time. We're not on this earth for a lot of time. Why am I going to keep, and I kept on thinking about it and thinking about doing comedy. And I finally texted my dad with him. Like, I'm going to do stand up. And like joking around, he's like, better you than me, but good luck. I'm like, yeah, like I'm, it's always something I wanted to do. And, and I, I'm a big believer again, that people come into your life for a season, mm -hmm. even if they're not the right people. And my ex fiance, um, yeah, the one good thing I can say about her is that she pushed me to do comedy. Yeah. Like that was like, I think what she was meant to be there for, like the, to push me and she did another way too. Um, so like I did it and I thought it'd be one night I'll do the open mic at governors and that's it. I'll be like, okay, I did it. And when I grabbed that microphone, I never felt more at home or uh, accepted where I belong in that second. And I got heckled like two minutes in, but I just had to try. I focused and I unloaded on the guy and I was in my element and that was it. And I've been hooked ever since. And when we broke up, 
I wasn't going to do comedy anymore. I was like, I'm not doing comedy. She made me do it. And I get you know, the whole emo, like, you know, it's not. Yeah. It. And my dad was like, uh, get in the car. I'm going to drive you. He drove me to an open mic. He picked up some of his friends and had a bunch of people. And since that time when, you know, so I had two different emotions with getting on stage, like wanting to do it. But then like when I was at my absolute low, mm-hmm. getting on stage and talking about it and feeling good. I'm like, this is, this is it. This is, and I haven't looked back since. And, you know, so I don't look at it like as being vulnerable. I look at it as just a uh, part of who I am. If that wow. makes any sense. That's so cool though. I mean, you easily could have thrown in the towel the second, you know, there was that breakup or the second you didn't get a good response. So the yeah. fact that you kept putting yourself out there, it is respectful. Anytime we put ourselves out there, it is vulnerable right? Anytime we're opening ourselves up to criticism of any kind, it's vulnerable. Yes. You know, and a lot of people are not willing to take that risk because they're intensely afraid of criticism or just of that experience of vulnerability. Like I said, I, this is my first podcast. I always had the idea like, oh, I would love to go on a podcast. Like I have a lot of things I like to talk about and passions, but I'm like, I could, who am I? Like, who's going to listen to me? Why would I? You know, and finally this year, it's been like a, a, a big, a very transformative year where yeah. at the beginning of the year, you know, I've, I've been at my job for eight years and I love what I do, but there really is not any room for growth. And I've been plagued with this feeling like I need to be doing more, but then also with that fear of like, stay comfortable, stay stable. Yeah. You know, you know what to expect. The unknown is scary. Um, But I think we all have like a inner voice that sometimes gets louder and louder to the point where we can't really ignore it anymore. And that's where I found myself. So finally, a couple of weeks ago, um, I gave notice to my job. It wasn't that simple. I mean, there's been like two years of planning to make this move. Okay. But finally, a couple of weeks ago, I... I pulled the trigger. I said it out loud into the universe, which was terrifying. Um, and now I'm, I'm doing it. And that's why I was like, well, while we're at it, let's try for a podcast, right? While we're at it, let's go for a rebrand. Yeah. I think once you, once you experience vulnerability and understand like the benefits of taking a risk, it gets a little bit easier. Absolutely. hundred percent, hundred percent. I, I thought, you know, I feel that way with things I do in my life that I feel were impossible or something that you couldn't do. And, you know, it's true. We do love to be comfortable. Com- it's nice to be comfortable. It's you feel, you know, you're at a job or something and that's what you know when it's safe and you can almost go on autopilot for a little Absolutely. bit. And, but it's true that things starts screaming in you that you got to like make a change and you got to listen to yourself. And I'm, I'm glad you reached out. Um, you know, I don't really, I don't ask too many people to do the podcast. Most of it's like, if I'm having a conversation with somebody I'm like, Hey, you want to come on? Like, you know, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. Like, yeah. you know, I feel like they could say no or anything like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I was, when you were like, this is what I want to talk about. Like, oh, perfect. This is exactly what we've been talking about. Like, this is what I've been trying to get through and maybe a professional can and do it better than my mumbling and jumbling through, uh, fumbling through everything. Listen, um, no, you got it. You got the right idea. You're doing, you're doing great. Thank you. But no, it's, it's true. Like the getting out of your comfort zone and, and doing new things, it's scary, but that scary is really good because it leads to new opportunities and things that you can, you would do that you never thought were possible. Right. Like, you know, 
And that's what I kind of tell like, even that, like, you know, comedy is not the same thing from what it was a couple of years ago, but it's still there. And I have it and I love it. And I perform when I, when I can, but like, if I would have told myself when I was like a kid, like, this is what you'd be doing. And these are the people that you have met. And these are the people that you would open for. Like, you know, it's insane. Like I've, I've worked with people who are A-list celebrities. I've worked with people who, um, I grew up idolizing, you know, anyone I would know. I got to do a weekend with Sebastian Maniscalco. Um, how cool. It it was, it was about 10 years ago. It was before he was, he was very well known, but it wasn't like he was like mega star. Now, now he's doing like the garden and arenas. Yeah. I got to share a stage with Kevin James. I've got to share a stage with Dave Collier from Full House. Wow. Um, Jackie the Joke Man, who I grew up a big Howard Stern fan. Like there was nothing bigger when you're a kid and wanting to be a comedian than a comedian on the Howard Stern show. And then Artie was like, a, you know, another favorite of mine. Or like, you know, Bob Nelson, I grew up. Like that was one of the reasons I wanted to start comedy, watching his specials as a kid with my parents, um, getting to work with him. You know, all these people that, you know, you think are like so out of like it's weird you put them like you see them as celebrities and they're just people like you and and um it's awesome to get to talk and hear stories from them and uh i it's i wouldn't trade it for the world and then even doing this podcast i've gotten to you know um just meet different people that i never would have talked to yeah and it's you know, it's it's insane. It's it's crazy what'll happen if you just get you like I said out of your you comfort. Put yourself room. out there. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite quotes is comfort is the enemy of progress. And it's true. Yeah, I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with the lead singer of Diesel Boy, which is one of my favorite punk bands from you know back in the day. They record they released a new album. Like, you know what? I'm gonna ask him if he wants to come on and promote it. And he did. And we had a conversation and I shared some stories about when I went to go see him in New York city. Wow. And I got on stage and I sang with him and That's so cool. Yeah. And like, you know, I made a fool of myself and he didn't remember it, but like, you know, he was, he remembered like those Coney Island high shows Yeah. Um, because Coney Island high was not a place you'd forget it. It was a hole in the wall, punk rock club. Just like, you know, it was narrow. The yeah. stage was, I'm you know, it. yeah, it wasn't like a high stage. And I remember just like, you know, looking at my friend, Nick, I'm like, I'm going up there. And I just, I ran, I pushed off of him and I got up and, um, so I told him that story was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, again, I always would, we never even had him on. I would have like, Oh, he's never going to do it. Right. And why people are like, yeah, why not? It's, it's, it's good promotion. And it's fun to talk to people that, you know, are interested in my music. And he was like, you know, we had a good time, good talk. And that's really, I guess, you know, what it's about and you're doing that now with your with your work and how does it feel now to be like out on your own is it like is it so or yeah i would say there was a couple weeks of like uh multiple mental breakdowns a day Mm -hmm. um you know am i insane am i what am i doing um and also again because we're just always projecting onto each other i would talk to one person and i would feel like so good about it and then i talk to the next person and be like oh my god am i crazy because right we're so susceptible to energy when we're in that vulnerable Mm -hmm. changing state now i can honestly say it feels so right to be making this move and i feel a lot more connected to myself than i have in a long time because i feel like i'm actually listening to that voice that I kept pushing down and I feel like I'm trusting myself that 
I, I can do it. Absolutely. Um, that's not always like ask me in three hours and I'm going to be like freaking out again. Um, but I'm also doing it subtly. I'm, I'm transitioning out of my job okay. um, going kind of part-time while I continue to build up my private practice. But I don't know it, it right now it feels just really right and exciting. And that's, that's the best feeling. And that's how, yeah. that's how you know that it's right. Cause you, after all, like you said, after all those layers, you feel deep down that it's right. And that's, that's the, that's the thing that I think we got to trust more uh, when we, when we're going to do something. Cause I, I, I do the same thing to myself. Like I'm going to do, like, I'll say I want to do this. And I wrestle with it. Like go back and forth. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to do this. And that, that, and usually it, nine out of 10 times, it's the right move to make. Yeah. Um, but, I think, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's, it's, we are our own worst enemies in that sense. Absolutely. And I think a rule of thumb when it comes to how to know if you should make that decision. Um, if the thought of it terrifies you, but you feel energized by it, generally speaking, it's probably something to go with. If you're nervous about it and there's like a sense of dread, that that's a sign too. But I noticed that even through the fear, I was so energized. I couldn't shut my brain off with content ideas and nope. ways to market myself and who I could reach and who I could help and who I could access. And that type of energy is, I think, what we need to be looking for when we're grappling with a decision. 100%. 100%. Like you think you said before, I always say on here, trust your gut. Your gut will tell you. And like you said, if you can be scared, but through the fear, if there's excitement and like, you know, I, I had that with, you know, comedy, it was like, you know, that thing. And with doing a podcast, like, you know, I, when I started this podcast, I actually, I put a poll up on Instagram because I was going to do a wrestling podcast. I've done a couple mm -hmm. before. I'm like, I do a pro wrestling podcast or talk about this. And it was like 99 to 1% like do this. Wow. And, but it was scary because like, you know, again, I knew for it to be any kind of, uh, you know, success or people would listen to it. I'd have to be vulnerable and be a hundred percent honest. And I had that same feeling. I was nervous, but excited about that. Excited mm -hmm. to open up that side of me that, you know, not a lot of people see, like even, the comedian friends I have, they know a different Anthony. They know somebody who's a, a ball breaker. They call him Mr. Unpleasant. Um, mm, just wow. not, you know, just fast with a comeback or to start with somebody. And, you know, it's a different side and they make fun of it all the time. Mm. Um, which is funny too, because what comedians do, we get in a room, we say the worst things to each other. Mm -hmm. It's how we, it's how we express feelings. Right. You know, every year on my birthday, my, my, Good friend John Ziegler texts me, I just lost money. It's like joking around that he has me in a death pool. Like, you know. Um, so it's like, you know, it's but and you tell it to most people, like, oh my God, he like, no, he doesn't wish me to die. It's just a it's a joke. And we're right. you know, I say horrible things to about him, like, you know, and uh and I came when I started the podcast, I knew that and I knew that I knew that side was gonna see they were gonna see that. I and I used to say back in the day, like when I would post something like motivational, inspirational, whatever, I would picture my good friends, John Ziegler and Brian McKenna, who are two phenomenal comics. If no one's, I've, I've had them on the podcast before I talked about them, go listen to them, go check them out. Um, but I picture them in my heads, like looking at it and texting oh, each other, calling each other and, and making jokes about it. And nine out of 10 times they're doing it, but it's okay. I mean, I'm getting my message out there and I'm happy with it. 
you know what? They probably wish they could be brave enough <laughs> to do something like that, all right? Because uh, it, it takes courage. It is. Um, you know, and they, they're brave in their own ways. Like they, you know, they've got a handle on certain things. Um, and again, it's, but what's what we do? We'll, as comedians, we'll then just make fun of that. Like I make fun of things they do. Like, like Brian is in very much in shape. He's very into like health and fitness and eating right. And I make fun of him about that. I mean, that's what we make fun of people about that. But like, you know, like I make, I make birch bender pancakes, they're protein pancakes. And he's always like, Anthony, pancakes are pancakes. And you can't, you know, you shouldn't be eating pancakes. You're trying to lose weight. So for his birthday today, I wrote like, you know, happy birthday to my good buddy, Brian. Uh, also arch nemesis of pancakes. Like, you know, and he's like, I'm gonna have pancakes for, for maybe tonight for my birthday. I'm like, they have carbs. Be careful of carbs. I'll get you every time. You know, so we, we just say stupid things back and forth to each other, but no harm. Um, but like I, I'm going off on a tangent again. What I'm saying is that the whole thing is back vulnerable, scary, but felt good. That's what I, that's what and I mean. You got to realize, I mean, when it comes to something like comedy, it's so much less vulnerable to like joke around with someone mm -hmm. than it is to, you know, get raw with your feelings. And it serves a purpose, right? We need humor. Yes, we do. Absolutely. 100%. We 100% need humor. But when it's like our only method, we got to look at like, hmm, what am I, what am I avoiding here? I'm guilty of that because I'll always make it, people will give me a compliment. And I make a joke about it. Mm. You know, like one of my jokes is I lost this amount of weight and everybody claps and it's like, it's like throwing a couple of chants at Titanic, but it's a start. Like, you know, it's, it's just, oh but it's, <laughs> oh, man. you know, but like I always, I always have something to come back with and I, <laughs> And I catch myself like, sorry, I'm just not good at accepting compliments. I am not good at it. And as a comedian, I'll always make a joke about it and always do that. And it's, I understand people are trying to, you know, I can see sometimes they get annoyed or frustrated because they're actually trying to have a moment and I'm not going to let it happen. I just like, you know, I will start with the, you know, the awkwardness starts and I, then I start going into my defense mechanism and what I know. Yep. You know what's really helped me accept compliments? Um, I I heard this once, and I've I've I don't know where I heard it, but I've adopted it, and I tell this to my clients. When someone gives us a compliment, it's their perception, right? Yeah. It's, it's their reality. So when we, oh, my dog. Okay. <laughs> um, hope we can edit that out. When um when we don't accept the compliment, we're kind of like invalidating their reality in that moment. Cause it's not, they think you look good, right? It's not about what you think. They're telling you what they think. So that's helped me to kind of just be like, Oh, thank you. Yeah. Cause the first time I, when I started gaining weight back, um, I had went to, uh, my, my buddy, John Ziegler's, he had a, he had a show. He had come to, he had, he had can, he has cancer. Uh, so they put a show on for him, um, to help raise money and, you know, a fundraiser show for him. And I hadn't seen these people for a while. And I self-conscious about walking into this place, putting weight back on. And somebody comes like, oh, yeah, you're looking really good. I'm like, yeah, I gained this much weight. And I went to the whole preamble about it. I'm like, yeah, I went through this thing. And this, and I'm like, they didn't need to know all that. And, like, and then it's like, I'm just, I'm, def I'm like having like, you know, anxiety about that. Like, mm -hmm. and even like he's getting married now. So like I'm the wedding's next month. I'm like, oh, I got to lose 200 pounds for his wedding in a month because, oh. you know, most people saw me. It was a long time ago. I look much different, but then I'm like, I don't care. Like, seriously, like, 
what is it's i'm they see me on instagram i i gain weight whatever what are we gonna do and no one really cares yeah like, that's the thing no one is thinking about us as much as we are thinking about ourselves yeah no one is that is is concerned with us because they're concerned with themselves yes they're doing all that for themselves and wondering you know what they're worried about totally right so even if they had a thought about what what i looked like in another millisecond they're now thinking about what they look like yep 100 you're right no i i gotta remember that too because like it's it, it stops you from even wanting to go places or see people yeah. or do things because you feel like you have to have the excuses you got to have the you know the backstory and it's just counterproductive and it makes yeah. you makes you feel bad and meanwhile they just want to see you Right. They don't care. Dream. Yes. It was should never, I still don't understand, but yes, they, they do. They do. I love the, the quote that says like, you know, it, when you die, no one's going to be like, Oh, I loved her so much. She was 120 pounds. Yeah. No, like, it was, it's never the, it's never the case. I mean, it's true though, because you know, we think that way, like, you know, mm -hmm. Oh my God. Like, and it's, I had that like felt like a while ago, like my family, like they, like, it's just your family. They love you the way you are, no matter what, you know, I've been up and down with this. And of course they want to see you healthy and happy, right? but it's you that's, you know, and same thing, like my, my nephews and my niece, they love me no matter what size I've been or whatever I do. And, totally. um, you know, it's, it's, you know, one time I was, this happened recently. I was at my nephew Lucas's baseball game and kids, little kids will say whatever they said. And she said to my, this, Girl said to my niece, because he's fat. And my niece was like, No, he's not. And I go, I am, Liddy. It's, mm -hmm. it's all right. I mean, but you know, she's she'll realize one day that she's saying things that aren't, you know, appropriate and yeah. you know, and it's just something to her and that'll register one day. That was a nice way I did it. Um one time. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I'm walking back from uh from one of the games, and this kid's on his bike and Passes by and he goes, wow, you're big. And he falls off his bike. <laughs> and I walk over and I go, that's what you get for being a little dickweed. And I walk over. <laughs> was a bitch. So sometimes you take the high road and sometimes you take the low road. That's, that's really what. There's you know, a time and place for both, right? There is. Yeah. But, you know, and I get it. Kids, you know, when I was a kid, I said things. But it was funny. Like, my niece doesn't see me that way. She sees me as her uncle. She loves me. Mm -hmm. and I, that's what I realized. I'm like, no, she does. She just sees me as me. Right. And that that's it. And she doesn't see, you know, she doesn't care. And you know what else? People match energy. So if you walk into a room, happy to be there, happy to see everyone, people are just going to match that. Yeah. Whereas if you walk in self-conscious or, you know, hiding away or whatever you're putting out there, people are going to respond to whatever energy you're showing up with. 100%. Right? So it's like, what energy do you want to bring? Forget about what you look like. What do you want your energy to look like? Because that is really more important. And your energy is, you know, it's way more palpable. I agree with that 100% because, you know, in comedy, you got to control the stage and you got to control the room. And, um, you know, I had family members say, you know, I wish that he was more like, you know, how he is on stage, off stage, because mm -hmm. that too, like I, and I'm, I'm getting them trying. And it's true. Like you walk into a room the first thing I should do is, be, hey, I'm, I'm a funny guy. I can, yeah. I can make you laugh. Instead, I'm like, like hiding in the corner. I'm like, eh, talk to me. Talk right. To me. And then people respond to that. Whereas I bet when you do show that like boisterous energy, yeah. people are going to vibe with that. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is down at the Cigar Lounge. I was quiet for a while. And then, you know, 
um, one of the regulars started talking to me, and then the, the personality comes out, and you know, it's it's you make friends, and that's how, right. and, and you know, it's that's how it that's how it works, and it's crazy. You don't think that way. You always think the negative way, and you got, right. you know, right. I think just the whole thing. Be more positive, and 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 go with your gut, and go with the good feelings. Hundred percent. So where can people now find you and come see you if they want to get some more of these good vibes, throw some plugs out there, let everybody know. Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at sunshine foodie wellness. Um, I'm accepting new therapy clients in New York. Um, They have to be in the state where I'm licensed. So um, actually on my Instagram in the link in my bio, you can schedule a free 15 minute consultation call. Um, to see if we're a good fit for therapy. And um, yeah. I like that. A little test drive. Let's yeah. little- <laughs> Again, you, you have to know if it's a good fit. So I it's important that. to have that initial call, especially if people are nervous. They want to know what to expect. They want to hear your voice. Um, so I, I like to offer that to potential new clients. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome. And you know, it's, it's again, try it out. 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, but definitely follow Sam. A lot of good content out there. Um, I like the peanut butter content. You know, yeah. I'm a peanut butter fan. Yeah. You'll get mental health content mixed with uh, nut butter taste tests. And that stuff looks really good. It's so. Oh, you gotta try it. I, I'm gonna have to try it. I, I had what was the other one that was out? They sent me something once back when I was uh, somewhat of an influencer. The mm-hmm. other one is there another one out there? I forget what it's called, but anyway, it was the same thing. It was peanut butter with. Oh. Fancy stuff in it. Probably a competitor. Competitor. <laughs> didn't send me anymore, so forget about them. I'm not even going to mention them. No. Nut butter here. That's what we're talking about. Um, all the way. And it was delicious. And this looks, I see the videos you do. It looks absolutely phenomenal. This is good stuff. Um, we'll have to talk. I'll tell you what flavors you got. Yeah. Have. I'm a peanut butter guy. I'm okay. a peanut butter fan. I will, uh, I eat it like sometimes like as a snack, like I'll just weigh my peanut butter out and I eat that like, you know, Tony Soprano sitting there in the, in the media room while Carmelo, when Carmelo kicked him out of the house, there's two scenes. He's eating peanut butter out of the jar and then yeah. salsa out of the jar. Not a big salsa fan, but. No, but I identify with the peanut butter out of the jar. I have yeah. Many and nights. So I just take a little scoop and I make it last. And um, it does. It, it, it's a big craving that's hit. So if you got some fun stuff in it. I'm, I'm even more of a fan for that. Absolutely. It's got protein in it, lowering weight watcher points. We'll talk. Absolutely. So check out Sam. Sunshine Foodie Wellness over on Instagram. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Really thank enjoyed this you. episode. And we're going to have you on again because I feel like we just scratched the surface of what Awesome. Thank you. This was so much fun and you made it such a great first podcast experience. Oh, okay. so thank I do. you. I, I can't help it. Do what we can. Appreciate <laughs> it. Have a good night, everybody. Something to believe A taste of change A world of peace Everything is building up While the world is falling down Decorate your heart Just for walking through the fire I'm trying to 
smile.